Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios. This is 1460 KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon, 11 o'clock hour. Welcome back. As we take you up until noon, Bobby Hansen joining the program in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. We will hear from Bobby Hansen, get his perspective on Cy Hawk tonight that seemingly within the last 24 hours has got a little hotter. A little, little uh, burn uh, coming off that stove a little bit with this one, Trent. At least that's the way it seems to be on Twitter. Kind of, you know, it took a while to get to this point, but I think it's ratcheting up towards seven bells. I would say it's the favorite. Mm-hmm. They hit shots, they win. Yeah. What's it take for Iowa to win this game? Garza has 44. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wouldn't hurt. Well, remember We've when he count? scored 44, they no, lost I know. that game. They did, they did. But because that was they, still... They took everything else away. They Absolutely. didn't double him. Nope. Is that the game plan you're going in? Garza, let him get his, but we're not going to double... We're not going to get let Wieskamp, Frederick, Bohannon get open shots on the outside? Worked for Juwan Howard and company. did. Uh, now they also scored one one You're right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to play a big. Well, look, I was encouraged by Wieskamp, who clearly had yeah. I thought his best game of the year against Minnesota. Had uh, some spring in those legs too. He did. Uh, How about Bohannon too? This is it for him, Trent. And this yeah. is this is where I was just going to go with you. Is 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 I expect him to have, you know, to try and to try and create something that the Hawkeye fans will carry over to next year mm-hmm. because he's going to all, all signs point to this being the end of his it's year a, and and good for him for for getting 10 games and I still I mean is there really people that are criticizing him taking not playing in uh, the one, Cal Poly game is that what it was that he, I mean, come on what are you going to do what would you do put yourself in his shoes you're going to play Iowa State you're going to play Cal Poly it's pretty easy. It's, no, it's, it's not even easy. It's not even a decision. It's a no-brainer. And so that's I, what he's doing. I saw that yesterday, and that kind of that that made me smile a little bit because then I thought, you know what? Maybe this is the the rivalry starting to get going a little bit amongst the fans. This is his last chance to play in Hilton, unless they're going to play in the NIT again. Yeah. Because if he comes back next season, that game is in Carver. This is his last opportunity to play in Hilton. A guy that grew up in Iowa. Yeah. Grew up with this rivalry. He has memories like all of us have of this game. This is his last chance. He has an opportunity, if he can lead Iowa to a victory here, to go into next year with a 3-1 and record and a chance to be one of the few players, I would guess, yeah, ever that's a great to win point. four games against your in-state rival. He would, Well, with a loss. With a loss in there. Yeah. I mean, Settles would be about the only other guy, I think, that have that kind of opportunity to do something like that. There's a lot out there. Bohannon, I love what he did. Wieskamp came into the game against Minnesota struggling. And you could say right away, a concerted effort. Bohannon wasn't taking shots. No, but he, he wasn't pushing his off. Distributing. He was getting the ball and especially trying to get the ball to Wieskamp and get him going. And those are the parts that you miss about Bohannon. We talk a lot about his deficiencies. They, they are immense on the defensive end of the floor. But there are so many things, not just what he can do shooting the basketball and having the brass ones down the stretch that's going to take the big mm. shot, but those little things that... Joe Toussaint, I don't think he's there yet, understanding we got to get Wieskamp going right now. We're going to do that from the beginning. 
Connor McCaffrey, I think he can be that kind of point guard. But He's going to have to be. There are limitations to every single player that sometimes get overlooked, and I think that's a big one with Bohannon. His basketball IQ is about as good as you're going to find. Mm-hmm. So Nunji and Bohannon will uh, have started the year, and after tonight they'll yeah. both be sidelined. Yeah, another oh. thing that's out there, there's nothing official, but you heard it both in the broadcast Friday night with Tim Brando, on the broadcast Monday with uh, Kevin Kugler. They both mentioned that the other hip is a problem. Mm. The rumblings continue to be that there is more surgery for Jordan Bohannon. Oh, no. Is that Th- right? This is not just he's going to shut it down and, and call it because he wants to be completely right. He needs to have surgery on that other labrum of the other hip, and that's what is going to be. So, I mean, the guy's just gutting it out. He is gutting it out right now. He's not practicing very often when he's able to get out there on the floor. It's pretty much only on game night. It's going to be another surgery from all points. It's going to be it after this one, and then he'll be back for 2020-2021, which shapes up to be a pretty good season. Without him, can Iowa be a tournament team? Boy, it's going to be tough. It is. I think it's going to be tough. And you throw in the Nunji thing, too. Um, There's not a lot of depth. No, I mean, look, we're all holding out hope that, that, that they can, but I think that they've been, they've certainly exceeded my expectations, yes. and a big part of that is the big fella in the middle. I mean, Garza's, his leap from his sophomore to his junior campaign has been, and um, certainly didn't see this coming, and very few of you, I believe, did, but... Going to be tough, I guess, is the answer to your question uh, pursuant to that. Or let's bounce around a little bit now. Kind of pretend we're, you know, the Zuba Mahente segment. Okay, we we bounce right. around the world of sports. Uh, I want to start. I want to go to the Cubs because it certainly seems that look Rizzo's agent. I think you know, if, if if he would if, if he would have cleared this with Rizzo, I don't think Rizzo would have green lighted him to go forward with the comments he made that we're not talking that really struck fan, a fear into the Cubs fan base because on top of that was, you know, the big buzz is Chris Bryant and his days in Chicago, certainly on the north side, um, they're not long for. So that is to me, like we've seen the signings. We saw Gold get, Cole get paid. We knew he was going to. Not a surprise that it's the Yankees. But when it comes to the Cubs, the two faces of this franchise prior to Javier Baez taking his place amongst them in, in Bryant and Rizzo and, you know, maybe the coming to the end certainly with Bryant and then the Rizzo thing on top of it it's been a bad couple of days for Cubs fans did you had Cappy what did he say you know when we were talking about it I, I brought up a quote I think it was what Gordon Whitmire yeah from the Sun Times and it was he was talking to an agent they were talking about a real low tier starting pitcher four or five million dollars and even at that point the Cubs said we can't do anything mm. I I can understand the frustration of this fan base you are a big market team. Mm-hmm. You are a team that has completely renovated Wrigley Field. You have a new television deal yes. coming to not re- just not just Wrigley Field, the surrounding area. And you're pinching pennies. Yeah, you're talking about trading away an MVP. This isn't Tampa. No, this isn't Minnesota. <laughs> you sound like Paul Allen. This isn't Detroit, <laughs> right? This is Chicago. This is the Cubs. This is a signature franchise. And you're doing this? Mm-hmm. Hamstrung. It can't sit well. The Cubs fans, Jason I know, Hayward better perform again this year because he's been part and parcel to this whole situation that they're in. But for everything, for the people that have continued to pay the ticket prices that I are know. exorbitant. I know. And now you're doing it's this. It's not now, cheap to see the Cubs, Trent. It's not. It's it, 
You remember the day when you could get a bleacher seat for 25 bucks and you sit out there and you take your shirt off and have a good time. I remember the day where you that's where you'd want to be and the rest of the ballpark was empty. Yes, yeah. Bleachers always had a good crowd because it was, you know, when I was when I went there for the first time, you know, what, what am I going to Well, it's like you're going to a nightclub in the middle of the day. That's yeah. what it's like. It's not you don't care about the game. No. It's a see and be seen. It was it's excellent. You get in there for eh, when they got good in '98. It started to rise, but before that, you get in cheap and you had a good time. You hit the bars and you'd have a great afternoon of baseball. Now, on a weekend from Friday through Sunday to Oof. get into the bleachers, you're talking about 150, 200 sure. bucks just for a bleacher seat. Where's that money going? Mm-hmm. Where is is the problem ownership here? Mm. Are they well? Didn't, didn't with they, everything they did is are they stretched too thin? Well, they, didn't they just sell off a big piece of TD Ameritrade to Ricketts? I'm pretty did sure they? they did. Yes, I mean a significant chunk yeah. for hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I so, I'm sure. I, well, I was kind of be surprised I would read that story, but <laughs> I think I saw that. Yeah, came across Twitter something. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it it strikes me as incredibly odd that we're having this. I thought. Starting when things started to ramp up, what twenty fourteen, mm-hmm. when things were the build was really happening. I think by twenty nineteen we'd be talking about a team that they're not in financial ruins by any means, but it, it just it has this odd feeling. I understand the luxury tax and what goes into it and all of that, but still, but like a big boy, this team is not doing that right now. No, but if it, it, here's the here's the good news and the bad news of, of the way that they've brought this team together, and I know they traded for Rizzo, but when you develop guys. That you get on, you know, relatively air quote cheap contracts, um, you know, compared to what they're going to earn down the road, and and those bills come due. That invoice gets due, like a, like a mm-hmm. Bryant whose arbitration number is going to be, you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty million dollars, whatever it is. And when you have to pay a Baez because he's developed into the superstar that he is, and some of these other guys, Contreras, dot dot dot. Um, you know, it's kind of a two-edged, double-edged sword, right? You've, on one hand, you want them to get better. On the other hand, once they do get better, you have to pay them because they are better. And it catches up with them at the time. You know, you sent me an, uh, an interesting, as we bounce around here, article. And I don't know what to make of it. I saw the piece on The Athletic. We're both subscribers. I didn't read the story on, you know, it was Brian Kelly look, taking a look back at the decade at the helm uh, of Notre Dame. I, I didn't read it until you, you you alerted it to me. I mean, I remember the Iowa State flirtation that, mm-hmm. you know, that he was maybe going to end up there. But in the comments is what drew your attention. Yes. So the article was written by Pete Sampson, who's been on the Notre Dame beat for almost 20 years now. He's been around. He knows uh, certainly a lot of things. And one thing I found interesting, I like those kind of articles in the back and forth and where they meet. And they're talking about some hotel in northern Kentucky is where they first met Brian Kelly for the first time. Jack Swarbick, the longtime athletic director, meets him there, was there for three hours, dropped his key back off. And the front office staff uh, had a chuckle as he was walking back out. Thought it was a different kind of meeting maybe that he was having there. But as you get to the comments section, they mention it was Brian Kelly and two other candidates that had full sit-down interviews. Not phoners, not conversations, but full interviews. He said one of the two guys he is almost positive was Kirk Ferentz. Isn't that interesting? Remember, this is coming on the heels of 2009. Yeah. I was finally back in a positive light, coming off the 2008 season where they played really well at the end of the year, caught fire, beat South Carolina in the Outback Bowl, 09, they get off the 8-0 start before the Stansy injury. Kirk Ferentz, again, was a hot commodity, and he's almost positive. A guy that was around covering Notre Dame at that time, 
that Kirk Ferentz mm. is one of the three guys that interviewed. What do you think? Game. I mean, timing-wise... I... It makes complete sense. I, I, I absolutely... And you know Kirk Ferentz. If there was a job that he would leave Iowa in college for, I think there are very few. We know the Michigan flirtation. Lloyd Carr wanted him mm-hmm. to be the head coach. He was listening to be the head coach. Higher-ups did not want Kirk Ferentz to be the head coach. I think it's that. I think it's Penn State. And I think it's Notre Dame. I think those are the only three jobs he would even be willing to listen to. At that time. Not in the here and now, right. And, and at that time, absolutely. I think it. the timeline makes a whole lot of sense. Notre Dame's angle looking at him makes a whole lot of sense. Remember, they're coming off of Charlie Weiss. You're looking to be buttoned up. Kirk Ferentz at that time, certainly very buttoned up. Yeah, no doubt. No, now, let's, let's go another step. What does Iowa look like today, and how would Kirk Ferentz have done at Notre Dame? <laughs> I don't think as well as Brian Kelly. I don't think he makes two playoff appearances. I don't think he's there for 10 years. Yeah, you know what? I guess. Inter- interesting. Yeah. I never thought of it. I mean, I'm glad he's still here. Yes. I'm glad he's still here. I guess you could look at it from that angle. What would I? What would it, I don't know. I, I would like to look at the 2009 coaching carousel. Oh. Maybe Brian Kelly would have ended up in Iowa City himself. Mm-hmm. What other college coaches were moving at that time? And who would have ended up in Iowa City? Yeah, and here, here's why I give it a little bit of credence. It's because of Pete Sampson's been writing, covering Notre Dame for decades. Mm-hmm. It's not this, you know, a guy trying to. Um, you know, make a name for himself and hopefully draw some conversation. Anyways, speaking of a guy drawing conversation, a, a guy, a guy on Twitter by the name of Coach Todd has just thrown down and has offered to fight every single Cyclone fan. Oh, great! He's ready to fight. <laughs> All right. Apparently, uh, Coach Todd's the coach of the St. John's Chargers. Uh huh. And Coach Todd's ready to fight every single Cyclone fan who had a problem with him calling George Niang washed up. Oh, bring it on. What are they meeting down at? The... I don't know, but he's willing to meet him anywhere. And Coach Todd is not taking this well. Derek Dooley? Don't know. Tommy Tuberville? Don't know. Those were the, those are the names? Lane Kiffin replaced Pete Carroll at USC. Not a whole lot going on in the coaching carousel that season. Dan Mullen moved up from Florida as an assistant to Mississippi State. I don't see a whole lot of connection there. Hmm. Interesting list here as we're going through uh, what could have been a decade ago. Well, you can read the story if you're an athletic subscriber. It is on The Athletic. We'll take a timeout. I'm going to follow this Coach Todd guy. See if he Cyclone fans are getting, are getting real angry with me. Listen up, buckaroos. I'll take this outside with each and every one of you You know, guys. we hear about meetups all the time over at the Statue Garden up the street here from our friends over at Halo. I wonder if that's where the big fight's going to be Don't know, but Coach Todd's... Worked up this morning. Uh, Bobby Hansen, we'll talk with him next. Look forward to catching up with Bobby Hansen. Um, did you see Kofi Coburn hit the official I, did. I mean, it was accidental. Yes. Boy, oh boy, that was a blow. I've it never was. seen that before. No, and, and kind of as I was thinking about it and watching it last night, a little bit surprised it doesn't happen more often. Not even for an official, but another player. Mm-hmm. I think you see that maybe from time to time. A guy gets excited, throws his arm, and maybe gets a player... Rarely an official, though. Oh, that, that was, was significant. That could have been bad. Yeah. What's the, what are the odds on Illinois to win the Big Ten? Stop it. I'm telling you. Stop it. And you're going to get a generous price. Ohio State's the favorite. Maryland's got to be the second choice. Or maybe Michigan State. Um, why, don't you like this, why don't you like this team? They're fine. They won a home game. The, and I mean, every, Rutgers, everybody's won a right, home game. Rutgers just won a home game, too. Bashanis Feely, 
Coburn, uh-huh. uh, uh the the kid off the bench. Yep, the kid off the bench, uh, Felice. Mm-hmm. He's a nice player. Trent Frazier, I've I've always enjoyed Trent Frazier. Yeah, he, I, what, what kind of game did he have last night? I don't think he was in double digits, but he's a good player. Mm-hmm. They got some pieces there. I'm just saying, if they're you a tournament wanted, team for sure. You know, could could they make a run to? I don't know what what kind of odds do they have to win the Big Ten? Are they double digit? Have to be. Yeah. Are they twenty? Uh, there's no updated odds right now. I'd have to take a peek because they've been playing these conference games. They took them off the board. Okay. I remember when they came out in the preseason, they were they were lower than I were. They were like 30, 35 to 1, something like that. They're 11 and Coburn, 9, 12 and 8. Good. Nobody, do you think that bad? I think Coburn Trent is a. They lost to Miami, who's not good. I have no idea how they did. I totally agree with you. That's they a, lost by almost 30 I, I to Arizona. It. I get it. The Miami game is the head scratch. You could see the Arizona beat. Got to win on the road. Played well against Maryland over the weekend. Mm-hmm. They were a big. What in that was it? One two point game. Yeah, they blew that game. Mm-hmm. They're twelve and eight good. They're not winning the Big Ten regular season title. You really like this team. I do like this team. I like Nebraska with the Palmer Group a couple of years ago. <laughs> I was all over the Oscars. That didn't go very well. I'm all over Illinois. We'll take a timeout. Bobby Hansen joins the program next. Miller and Condon take you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. Kickstart your day with the morning rush at 6. Dan Patrick and the boys from 8 to 10. Miller and Condon go in depth from 10 to noon. Colin Cowherd challenges your assumptions from noon to 2. Murph and Andy have sports and more from 2 to 4. And when you get in your car, join the sports fanatics for the best Hawkeye and Cyclone coverage anywhere. In your car, at work, at home. Keep it locked on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Welcome back. Thank you to Kenny White. KennyWhiteSports.com. As promised, it's time to talk. Well, we spoke with Eric Heft earlier in the program. Let's get his counterpart from the Iowa side. He's Bobby Hansen, former Hawkeye, former NBA. He's a world champion. And, of course, him and Dolph have the broadcast tonight, which you can hear down the hall on 1040 WHO. Bobby Trent Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Bobby Hansen? Hey, man. It's good. Long time no talk. Yes, it's way overdue, and we appreciate the first opportunity to do so, hopefully the, the first of a few times uh, before they uh, put the equipment away sometime, hopefully in late March. Well, Bobby, you know what I want to start with you? We'll get inside Hawk in a second. Just the league overall, the Big Ten overall. I mean, Ohio State may be the most complete team in college basketball. Penn State had a nice win. The fighting Illini last night. This Kofi Coburn, boy, is he ever fun to watch. Uh, this league, maybe the bottom, obviously, could use a little help, but uh, very competitive at the top, Bobby Hansen. Yeah, I know. I'm just looking at the standings here in, in Maryland. They lost. And Ohio State, as you mentioned, they're one of the top five teams in the country. Michigan goes down. We, you know, They took care of us pretty easy in Ann Arbor last week. Michigan State's yet to really hit their stride, but you forget about Rutgers, too. I mean, they had a big win last night knocking off Wisconsin, so... Yeah, every night out is uh, going to be a grind, and that's why games like tonight, Kenny, are, are important, I think, to have to keep on your schedule because it really gets your guys mentally ready to go, and obviously physically you're going to face a, a tough team. Well, you know, not a Big Ten physical team uh, in Iowa State, but a team that will get up and run up, run up and down and get after you. Ten games so far in the Big Ten between Big Ten opponents. Hmm. All ten of them have gone to the home team. It's absolutely incredible, and 
we say it, but maybe we need to go a little bit deeper. Winning on the road in the league, just the difficult nature, regardless of the opponent. Everybody knows everybody. The scouting reports are as good as you're going to find, and you're going into those road environments. It doesn't matter if it's a couple thousand people in Northwestern or it's 20,000 people in Maryland. going to be tough regardless of where you go in the Big Ten. Yeah, good question, Trent. And I think that's because the coaches are all like top-notch coaches yeah. and, and uh, the league, the way they recruit, you're getting big guys in there. Our, our league is full of big guys. Maybe no other league has you know guys to match up with Garza and Teske mm-hmm. and, as you mentioned, Kofi Coburn. Um, so they're all over the place, to be honest with you. Yep. So, so important, protect your home court. It's, you know, preach. It's up on the whiteboard in the locker rooms. You got to protect this house. So, Everybody's got the same idea, and even if you're talking about the bottom of the league right now, you go to any of those places, you know, they got great crowds in Nebraska. you got really good crowds in Minnesota. You know, Rutgers is getting better, obviously. So Penn State used to be at the bottom. They're no longer at the bottom. They're going to be uh, toward the top, and we catch them in Philadelphia, uh, our next Big Ten game when we uh, resume Big Ten play January 4th. So, yeah, they beat Michigan State over at the Palestra last year. So, yeah, I, that's what we love about the league and, and competitive, and hopefully that uh, translates into eight, nine, ten teams going to the NCAA tournament. Bobby, the schedule this year for the Hawkeyes not lost on anybody. Just, uh, I mean, we see Michigan State play elite year after year. Not that I was necessarily played elite, but they've played some really good teams, whether it be in Las Vegas. I mean, you got Cincinnati coming up. That's going to be no picnic. Of course, Iowa State tonight. The non-conference schedule is, for the first time in a while, uh, as difficult as we've seen. I think it brings the fans into it a little bit more. I think the players get a ton out of it. Do you feel that way, Bobby, that uh, that this is good for the Hawkeyes to play this difficult to schedule in November and December to prepare them for Big Ten? Yeah, absolutely it does. And you know, kids are kids. They want to tee it up and go play you know, tomorrow. So you know, maybe it's a little tough on broadcasters and traveling <laughs> around a little bit, but throughout the whole deal of this little travel stretch that we had from Las Vegas to Syracuse, back home, over to Michigan, back to Chicago, I think the total number of miles is about 8,500 miles over a two-week period. And, and then for the, for the kids, you, you push in the, um, uh, the schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Final exams start next Monday. So, um, you know, it makes it difficult, but that's what you want. You want to play a tough schedule. And it was fun going out to Syracuse. We happened to fly in the middle of the blizzard or mm. tail end of that blizzard. You saw 12 inches of snow. Yep. And weren't quite ready for that, Kenny. So, <laughs> you know, it was, it was good to get back into Iowa with the victory after that one. So I uh, want to get your perspective on this. Luca Garza had that performance uh, Friday night up in yeah, Michigan with 44. You saw right away Monday night the Minnesota game plan. They were going to double him. But especially early in the second half, his ability to get the ball out from those double teams, move it around quickly. Luca, he's going to get his. He, he can become a bit of a black hole on that offensive end. But understanding, reading defenses, seem like that's certainly built from him Monday night. And Iowa State's going to throw three different guys at him tonight. Yeah, the one guy that Fran mentioned on the call-in show was a kid comes off the bench, George Condit. Mm-hmm. Fourth, he's a shot blocker. So, um, you know, you got to give him head fakes. Lucas got really good footwork. It's gotten better over the years. Puts a ton of time into it and, and never has a bad attitude toward anybody. He's always a jovial kid and gives you a fist bump when he walks by but going out to warm up. He goes about his business and pretty much to a man, that's the way this team is. They're a pretty serious team. They have their fun play their cards on the airplane and the bus and, and enjoy each other's company. But, you know, they know it, it's time to go to work. And, and I think they take that from the head man. I think they take that from Fran. Is, he's pretty much a no-nonsense and uh, let's put our work in, get it done, and 
get out of town. Bobby, did you see this leap from Garza coming? I mean, we saw glimpses as a freshman, and last year you could see that you know he's, he's clearly got some ability. But but what's happened this summer from the end of his sophomore campaign into this one? I mean, Bobby, this isn't a step forward. This is a whole bunch of steps forward. Garza yeah, is playing out of his mind. Yeah, it's a leap forward, no doubt about it. And where he can improve is at the free throw line. Right now, he's just maybe a 60% free thrower, and I look at him as 75 to 80% free throw shooter in the past, but he works so hard. I mean, he's, he's expanding a lot of energy. He's probably a little bit tired getting up there, but that's where he'll get better. But he's a pro prospect, Kenny, because he can step out and make a 17-foot shot, make that high post, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop uh, shot, and he can step out to the college three-point line and drain a three. So I'd call him a stretch five, but... He has that ability to bang down low with you, and he's not afraid of contact and actually goes out and looks for the contact. So um, a lot of our games are going to depend on on how it's refereed. When you look Mm. at the other side of things here, Tyrese Halliburton is putting together an All-American-type season. He's played at a high level in a matchup that could prove to be a little bit difficult. What's Iowa going to do defensively to try to slow down Halliburton? Yeah, I'm not sure of that because I don't sit in the meetings. I'll go over to practice here uh, in about a half hour, but he's good. Uh, you know, I probably didn't realize he was that good until mm-hmm. when we were in Vegas. The team was with the team, and, and my fill-in broadcaster didn't make it out till later. So I got to see a lot of basketball, a lot of Orlando and the Bahamas down there, and, and to watch them play Michigan and, and then the Seton Hall game. The kid is really good. He almost single-handedly beat Michigan. Yep. Uh, he, can, he can drive to the basket. He rebounds. He's long. He's always got his head up looking to pass the ball ahead. And if his guys make shots, they're a different team. Iowa State may struggle to shoot the outside shot a little bit, but um, Tyrese Halliburton can beat you by himself. And uh, he's a pro. He's probably going to be in the NBA draft next year or this spring coming up. And um, a young man from Kenosha, Wisconsin, that's kind of the way the league is now. It ain't these big bruisers anymore, but it's the long, athletic kids that can – get out and run, and he'll play defense. He gets steals. Uh, I saw him get knocked down several times against Michigan. He got up, made his free throws, and moved on. Uh, speaking of moving on, Bobby, it, it seems as though that this is going to be the final game this year for Jordan Bohannon. Um, look, I give him all the credit in the world for getting back as quickly as he does. He clearly likes his teammates. He wants to be on the floor. He has fun when he's on the floor. You can see that. Uh, what have you seen different post-injuries he's tried to come back maybe not 100% clearly but how, what's the difference in Jordan Bohannon uh, that you've seen this year? Well he's, he's got shooters around him um, in the last game he, he didn't score he was 0 for 4 but he had 10 assists no turnovers so uh, he's just sort of taking care of the ball he's not the primary ball handler anymore so you can take that pressure off him a little bit you got Connor McCaffrey who I think is probably the key to this mm-hmm. success early success ability to be a utility man he goes down and guards the foreman. He battles him. He blocks him out. He'll bring the ball up. So he creates some different matchups. But just taking the ball out of Jordan's hands. But you know what? When we need a big play or a big shot, Jordan's right there to, to knock it down. He makes some big ones in the second half against Syracuse. Bobby, this is an in-state rivalry. There was a lot of chippiness last year. There was a little pushing and shoving when they were names two years ago. Mohannon played well in that game. Pemsel, he got injured, uh, banged up in that game. And then, of course, a little pushing and shoving last year. When it comes to this, what do you think, Fran McCaffrey? What's the message about that? Is it play your game, do what you guys do? If you need to be a little bit of an instigator, that's okay. What do you expect, and, and does that carry over year to year, kind of the pushing and shoving we saw from last season? 
Well, I'm sure it does. I mean, pushing and shoving Trent is okay. If, if a guy takes a swing at somebody, mm-hmm. you know, then then you got a problem. Mm-hmm. And what happened at the end of the game last year was was chippy, yeah, right in front of the Iowa State bench. And I think you know, cooler heads prevailed. Uh, Coach Prome he came out and just tried to get people out of the way, out of trouble. So um, I had no problem with, with any of that. But these kids, I'm telling you, it goes back to when they're battling in you know, yeah. AAU ball in tenth grade, it's like hockey. You know, these guys know each other from from the early leagues, and it kind of carries over. But um, hopefully at the end of the night, you can be a gentleman, you can be a man, and shake the hand and say, nice game, and, and uh, wish him luck the rest of the way. Mm. Gone this far, we haven't even brought up Joe Wieskamp. Uh, he had a big, big yeah. game the other night against Minnesota, season high. Uh, Wieskamp, you know, Bobby, I'll be honest, I thought going into this year, this team was only going to go as far as he would take them. And Gars has clearly taken steps. Frederick, they've got a nice piece there. I'm glad you mentioned Connor McCaffrey. I, uh, his role is important as any of the five on the floor, I think, and I think he's performing very well. Uh, but Joe Wieskamp, Camp, I thought was going to have to carry him. He still has the ability, clearly, uh, but it's just not about him, which obviously is terrific. No, he had a great game um, against um, uh, Minnesota the other night, but he came out with, in the attack mode, Kenny. Um, when he lays back and allows himself to be guarded, that's when he doesn't have a really good game. And, and in his defense against Texas Tech down in um, uh, Las Vegas, I thought he did a really good job between him and C.J. Frederick of guarding uh, their five-star recruit, a freshman named Jemias Ramsey, who tweaked a hamstring in that game and has not played since. Um, but when you guys see him uh, this year come to Ames or uh, on TV, this kid looks like Russell Westbrook. Hmm. But Wieskamp uh, deed him up early and stayed with him, had a great game. And then he, he had a, started throwing up. He got sick at halftime and carried wow. over to San Diego State. Yeah, played better at Syracuse. Michigan not quite so good. But, yeah, he's, he's got to have that mindset that, that Fran tells him all the time, just go, you're my guy. Shoot the ball. You got to get ten to fifteen shots. You can't live with you three, four, five uh, shot attempts. So he's got to get to the free throw line seven, eight times a game, and he can do it all. I mean, you saw him block shots on the perimeter, kind of like Utah used to do. He raced down against Minnesota, blocked the shot, went, picked it up, and went in two hand, dunked it change the momentum of the game in the second half. Mm. Got to ask you about one NBA player, Bobby, because every time I watch, you know, sports center or whatever, um Doncic from Dallas. Bobby, yeah. who does he remind you of? He's putting up some statistically. He's he's got some he's in the same company with Jordan statistically, not the one that matters yeah. and that's the rings obviously. But what does he remind you of anybody, Bobby? Cuz my oh my, he's good. He is good and knew nothing about him, to be honest with you. A couple of years ago, he's a European player that comes over and 19 years old, Kenny. I know. He, that, that's what blows my mind. I look back when I was 19, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find my way to class, to be honest with you, at that time. Here, this guy's dropping 40 on, on NBA players and he's got a big body, a big build. Uh, really tough to, to say who he's like. Yeah, I'm with you, Bobby. It's hard to uh, come up with a comparison. Hey, listen, thanks for doing this for us. Look forward to catching up with you a few times uh, once we get into January and February. It really gets fun with Big Ten play. Thank you, Bobby Hanson. Sounds good, man. Thank you. Yep, good to talk to you. Bobby Hanson, color analyst, Iowa men's basketball. You can hear the game down the hall. Boy, we're busy. You can hear mm-hmm. that game everywhere in this building tonight. Down the hall for the Hawkeye broadcast, 1040 WHO with Dolphin Bobby. Go down another hall. There's the bus. And, of course, Eric Heft and John Walters have that one. What have you seen point spread? What's the kind of the, you know, we talked about it early in the program. Movement-wise, 
any numbers that catch your attention in this one? If you had to play the game? So, uh, I mentioned throughout the week the Ken Palm number was three. Yeah. I anticipated it'd be a tick higher, and that's what it is. It's currently sitting at four. Mm hmm. I said yesterday when uh, Ross and myself were talking about the game and, and the point spread portion of it, if it got above four, four and a half or more, I'd play Iowa. At this number, though, it, doesn't, it almost feels exactly right. I think four and a half, I'd have to grab Iowa. If it got to two and a half or lower, I'd grab Iowa State. I think the number is spot on. Now, I'll play it. Which way am I going to play it? Ah, okay. You going to play your Panthers tonight? Don't like this spot. Grand Canyon's not very good. They've been a pretty good team here lately out of the whack. they got a great environment there. How about their win over Colorado, by the way, the Panthers? Which is monstrous. Huge. Now, you can't give it back. And you have yeah, to, good point. Point spread aside, and, and Iowa, uh, you and I is a five-and-a-half-point favorite right now on the road at Grand Canyon. You just got to win this game. Don't worry about points for mm-hmm. nothing else. You have to win this game and then set themselves up. And they very well, look, they're going to have to be ridiculously good, like 15-3 and three type good, probably to be in position to be a team without winning the conference tournament. But you can't give this game back. You get, you have to win out till conference play. And how about this? Last game of the season in the MVC, you and I is at Drake. Really? Could be for the title. How good would that be? That would be something. Well, it's the final Thursday night. Yes, let oh, that sink in. Geez. The final Thursday night of the NFL schedule. We'll come back, spend a couple of minutes on that, and wrap up Cyhawk before we get out of here at noon. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Hawkeyes, Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes here. We take you up until noon. Murph and Andy at 2. The Fanatics slide on in here at uh, 4 o'clock. And then, uh, of course, tomorrow morning. First on the air locally will be the morning rush tomorrow morning at 6. So, Teddy Greenstein, you were talking off, uh, we were talking during the break. Mm-hmm. You brought it to my attention that you'd have to bet $25,000 if you want to make a hundred uh, and you want to bet on Joe Burrow to win the Heisman. That's the best return no. on investment. Seems like a cinch, though, right? I mean, it, it does. Seems, seems like a cinch. Not, not everybody's got 25 grand just laying yeah, around. It's a bet a hundred. You never bet a lot to make a little. You taught me that many years ago. This one does seem like one of those instances as you'd be safe. But this was prior to the season. I'm not going to run through them all. But this is, the, Tua Tagliavoe was the favorite mm-hmm. at 3-2 to two to win the Heisman. Between 3-2 to two and 33-1, to one, there's about 15 players. Trevor Lawrence, 3-1, to one, Hurts, 8-1, to one, Adrian Martinez, 10, Frome <laughs> Fields, Herbert, all around 15-1, to one, Ian Book, 20, Jerry Judy. And not listed at all is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was at least 35 to 1 preseason. If you want to bet now, you have to bet $25,000 to make 100. It's crazy. It absolutely is. We don't know. Some, uh, a person I told you, Mark Charter's buddy, had a future ticket on Burrow before the season and was out in Vegas. was it two fifty to one or 125 to one or one two fifty to one? Nuts. One of the two, and he bet some. It's like five hundred bucks that he put down on that one. I mean, the return on that, Trent. That wouldn't. It wouldn't even cross my mind to sell that no. ticket. You know, a lot of people yeah. are hedging. What's that place where you can sell them? Uh, what's the bet? Uh, uh, prop swap. Prop swap. Right. No, no nobody's prop swapping with Joe Burrow. On Joe this Burrow one. last year played well at the he end was of the okay, season. Yeah. yeah. 
16 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Completed 57% of his passes for just shy of 2,900 yards. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. It's the, it's, it's, it's the entire key. He is completing 78% of his throws. His worst game this season. He compl- Worst game, 71%. Who is that against? I don't A&M? remember. I just heard that the other day. But yeah. it's nuts. 48 touchdowns, 6 nuts. interceptions yeah. at LSU. Which year after year, great defense, mm-hmm. great they skill only get it. Why can't they get a quarterback And even there? when they have a quarterback, Zach Bettenberger was okay. Yeah, he was. But even he was... He was in the league for a while. Didn't he, he get was. hurt on Tennessee for... Yes. Yep. Right, yeah. But even with him, they never were high-powered no. by any means. It was unimaginative, boring, mm-hmm. old man football. <laughs> this... This is different. It is. All right, let's do this. Let's spend our, spend our final couple of minutes. Give me a player that hasn't played in this game or, is, or hasn't had a big role in this game that uh, could lead his team to victory regardless of what team that is. I'm going to go with Rashir Bolt. Good one. They need three-point shooting. Yep. I think Iowa State is going to shoot the ball better than we've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Bolton's a guy that can catch fire. He knows Iowa. He saw Iowa last year when he was at Penn State. Uh-huh. Going to go with Bolton as one of those kind of X factors. I think you're right. I mean, Frederick would be the guy on Iowa, yep. right? Just because he's had such a good start to his uh, redshirt. And he's not going to be scared of the moment. You wouldn't think. No, for, he hasn't been. He hasn't flinched since he you know put on that jersey. He's been one of the. I mean, Gars is in class by himself as far as the improvement we've seen, but we didn't know what to expect with Frederick. No. You know, we wanted him to be good just because they were going to need him to play a significant role. Is this a high-scoring basketball game? The winner the winner gets to how much? Do you have to get to 70? Yeah, you got to get to 70. I was thinking 74, 75, you know, mid-70s range, probably going to be the winner. I do have a pick. We talked earlier about it. Yep. What's the number at now before we make your pick? Has it, it is, gone up? William Hill still has it right at four. Okay. I'm going to lay the four with the Cyclones. Taking Iowa State. Going to take ISU. I, I had that feeling if it got higher, I liked Iowa with the points here, but at the number it's currently at, if I have to make a pick, and I do because I'm, I have a problem, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to lay them and I'm going to lay the, the four with Iowa State. You got you got to read? I don't. I, you can you can make a case Iowa wins, mm-hmm. and then I'll say, yeah, I can see that trend. You can make the same like case you just did for Iowa State. We'll say this in our final couple of minutes. When I was in Tucson, I ran into uh, Brian Arilco from the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission, and while he, I asked him about you know the month of November and uh, did the handle continue to go up, and it did. Um, but he told me that the hold is coming down significantly. And what that means is while more money is being bet on sports, the bettors are actually figuring this out. November was very good to guys that, now they still lost overall. But the casinos are still making sure, money. Sure, but not to the 12% that they were, which was ridiculous. Unsustainable. I mean, and it has been. There's not a sports book in the world. That expects to have a 12% No, 4-5, you're giddy. And, and if the casinos around Iowa were thinking about all the expansion they were going to have, keep it 12%, <laughs> maybe a little reality hit for those people, too. Yeah. That's not going to be happening all year long. No, and uh, while the handle went up, the uh, the hold went down, which says that the betters are figuring out they, they had a good month. Still lost. I mean, the, the properties, as they always do, still won overall, but nowhere near uh, as big as they have in the last little while. All right, busy day tomorrow. Uh-huh. Get some NFL. It's a pretty good NFL schedule. If you looked yes. ahead, rivalry games. Your team against your rival in Kansas yes. City against the Broncos. How about Drew Lock, by the way, have you seen him? I have, and, and 
I like him. Should I be as excited as I am? I think so. I think so, too. Did you see he was dating uh, Lamar oh, no, Hunt's granddaughter? I didn't know that. Oh, I got a story When he lived you. out... When he, he, no, this he grew is up recently, oh, really? and apparently they just broke up not too long ago. Talk about another <laughs> layer to the rivalry. This? I don't know. Talk about another layer to a rivalry there. I didn't know that. I do know this. As a Broncos fan, kind of all back in. Oh, look at that. Now I think they got the guy. Anyways, uh, enjoy the game tonight. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. It really is. I think it's going to be a really terrific edition, the 2019 edition of Cyhawk Hoops. Murph and Andy, I'm guessing, will spend a lot of time talking about that today at 2 o'clock. The Fanatics likewise at 4. Uh, and then the morning rush, we'll uh, have the first kick at the can tomorrow morning at 6. Miller and Condon here every Monday through Friday, 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station.